Awesome. Well, I get my thoughts together. We'll jump into this morning, um, continuing and picking back up in our miracles uh, um, series. Miracles, spelled with a Y, intentionally misspelled because I'm just a rebel that way. And uh, if I can do something wrong just to do it wrong, sometimes I'll just do it that way. And, uh, and so, and uh, sometimes rebelling is a good thing, right? Jesus was a rebel, and we praise him for it. <laughs> so I just just trying to rebel too. And so, but anyway, uh, miracles, because it's, it's my miracles, and not in a way that becomes conceited or just focused on myself, but this idea of the miracles of Jesus and what that speaks uh, to our lives when we're not blind, what does it look like and what does it mean when Jesus is speaking and healing a blind man? And when I'm not lame, what does that look like for me in these situations? And and so many times that we see, again, I mentioned last week how Jesus is, is healing people in such a physical, external way. He's not healing the stomach aches and the headaches and, and, and some of the things that we don't see as much as he is healing the physical things that we can see on the external because there's also deeper meanings and, and values to what that is speaking to us today and doing things. And so today we're going to look at another one of those miracles you know, I was remembering as I was thinking about this message, I was remember when I was a kid in this, coming into this Mother's Day, and uh, I remember as a kid so many times, I mean, you, you as kids, you had your friends coming over to your house, and, and your mom was so wonderful and, and, and taking care, and I mean, like, maybe she just tolerated your friends, and maybe, maybe it's like the fact you got to have friends over, maybe it's that thing of like, like she came in, she welcomed them, there's a different atmosphere that took place, and, and, then, and just changes that, that took place in the midst of that, I remember I remember um, having that situation, my wife, and we had like rules of the house and we did things a little different in our house. And my friend, and of course, my daughter, you know, at, at times she'd be like, she'd be kind of, I didn't plan on telling this story, maybe this will help a parent. Um, and of course, my, my kids are adults now, but we didn't allow cell phones in the bedrooms. It was like, you can have your, you can be on your cell phone uh, before the time limits and your phone had like all these time limits. Like we had to manage that as parents. And, and, uh, and, but we didn't allow cell phones in the bedrooms. Like, you know, like you can be out here like, you can be on the couch with us and, and do that kind of thing. And so our friends would come over and finally get so embarrassed. It's like, because now our friend's cell phone can't go in the bedroom either. <laughs> like, like, it was bad enough that, like, like, she had dorky parents, but now her friends are having to also suffer these dorky parents. And, but then all of a sudden she would end up, and they, of course, friends stay in the night, and, like, and there would just be these moments of, like, like, the next morning it's like, oh, they weren't just face, you know, they weren't like building relationships with their thumbs. They were building relationships with their faces. They were face to face and like had all this great conversation, kind of like when I was a kid, you know, you didn't have all that technology and like, and then it would just be such a blessing. And, and anyway, and so sometimes, sometimes there was those different atmospheres and aspects. And it's kind of like that with my mom. But I remember one time I had a friend who stayed the night. And, you know, sometimes like we're going to talk about this particular miracle, we kind of do some damage in our house and as kids and we tear things up and, and kind of cause some, some trouble. And, but I, I remember like one of the worst times that my friend actually caused a problem for me being in my house was the next morning I wake up, my friend leaves, we're sitting there at breakfast. He had to leave early for whatever reason. And, and we're sitting there at breakfast. And you see, I was raised by my mama. So I had this rule in my house that that toilet seat better go down when you're done. And uh, th there was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was no second thoughts. There was like, you, it, it was habitual. That toilet seat was always going to be down. And, you know, little, little did my friend know, he didn't know that rule. <laughs> and when my mom got up in the middle of the night with a crying little sister and uh, went to then take my sister to the bathroom and sit on the toilet to take care of my sister, all of a sudden my mom fell in the toilet. <laughs> 
And so the next morning, I'm now getting in trouble. You know, uh, it says, uh, no greater love uh, than one does one have to lay down one's life for a friend. And let me tell you, I was not a friend to my friend that was not there that day. I threw him under the bus. I was like, absolutely. That was Jason. It was not me. And, 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 and I was like, nope, nope, I ain't laying down for you on this one. <laughs> I know better. This is not a rule that I'm going to break with my mama. And uh, toilet seat goes down. And, uh, and so remember those things. And I thought about that today, just, just those things that kind of go wrong. I, I felt I felt real bad for the woman of the house in this story. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2 and, and the woman of this house because something terrible happens to this house, but something great comes out of it. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, later the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Man, I love that idea. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. They dug a hole in a desperation of nothing's going to get between us and Jesus. They dug a hole through the roof and lowered this man I feel for the woman of the house. Like I said, I imagine all of a sudden her, her home has a roof in this situation. I, I've been having some illustrations lately, and I thought about this illustration, and I thought, for the sake of the landlord, I better not. I better just leave it alone and move forward, and we better not, I better not go that far. And dug a hole in the roof, and they lowered this man right down in front of Jesus. Four friends. How important are friends in our life? Friends are so important. And we see in this man's life, especially in a place of need, that friends are absolutely crucial. Friends, where would this man be without friends? Maybe it would have been like the previous story we talked about with the lame man at the pool of Bethesda who didn't have friends. He's waiting there all this time. If, he's, if he can just time it right with the angel and maybe he can get into the pool to get his miracle. But he says he's got no one. But even this man in the midst of the situation has Jesus to show up. But thankfully, we see this man with friends, friends to bring him. This is like, I feel like, I feel like this is like that one friend you got with a truck. I, I know somebody here, I won't say who, he was talking about getting a pickup truck. And I was like, I don't know about, I don't know about the Metroplex, but I'm from West Texas. If you got a truck, which a lot of people got a truck, but you got a truck, that means you're a friend of anybody that needs to move. <laughs> like I was just talking to Tears. I was like, I was like, I was like, hey, if we can orchestrate it. It's like Pastor Walt's got a truck. And if he happens to be in town, like, like I ain't promising anything. And I won't volunteer Pastor Walt. I'll volunteer myself to take his truck. But anyway. I may be getting myself in trouble up here, but he's in San Angelo today um, and recovering from my sister's wedding yesterday and so all that kind of stuff. And anyway, but friends, but friends, friends, friends in this situation are so important to bring, to bring the crippled, the, the one who would need to see Jesus, to be in the position to be able to bring a friend. And and I thought about this, like I get so caught up in the church world sometimes, especially as a pastor, like I was cycling with my group on a Saturday morning and there's another guy and I know a church that he goes to and, and where it is. And, and I went to ask him about his week and I was, like, I was like, hey, like what's something awesome that happened this week in your life? 
and he kind of defaulted. We're coming out of Easter, and he kind of defaulted church language. He kind of defaulted time. I'm man, yeah, and he's really involved in his church, and like that's great, and I want to celebrate that kind of stuff. But I'm like, but in the moment, I'm like, just because I'm a pastor, I'm not always trying to have the church talk. Like, like, I, like I'm asking about your life, not about how your church is doing. Like, I'll celebrate with you how your church is doing, but, but I want to know about you. I want to know about what God is doing in your life and how you're seeing God's goodness in your life and how he's moving in your life. Maybe how you've experienced a breakthrough or a miracle in your life. And so many times it can be easy for me to get caught up in the church world. I was, I was really grateful in my personal life when I started playing this mobile video game on my phone. It took me well outside the church and started connecting me with, with people who didn't think like me, didn't believe like me, didn't go to maybe didn't go to my church, much less any church like me. And I found myself in this position of, of friending people, being friends. And I thought about what it might look like if we were in this position. Are we the kind of friends in someone's life that if they were crippled, they would want to come to us? They would want to reach out to us and what we represent and how we speak. Are we, are we talking a language that would attract those who are in need Realizing that it's beyond themselves, whether they believe in the same God as us or Jesus or, or even healings and miracles or breakthroughs, whatever that might be. But, but are we the kind of friend that would be available to be able to carry someone on the mats? When I went into this game, I certainly didn't have these ideas and these thoughts that it would take me to the places it did, that it would take me to the people that it would. But it created this opportunity where I was always around all these people. And, and obviously it eventually come out. Sometimes I try to hide it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I try to be a little low key as a pastor. You ever try to be that about your faith? Cause you know, like, as soon as you know, like, if you let it out too quick, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'll tell you I'm a Christian, but I want to tell you I'm a pastor. Cause if I tell you I'm a pastor, you're going to shut down. <laughs> like you don't know how to have any real conversation anymore. You get a little scared. You get a little worried. Like you might say the wrong thing. Like I know some of y'all in here right now, like you're feeling that pressure. If you're not, then you are much better than I ever was when I wasn't a pastor and be like, oh, my goodness, you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to volunteer and be around church because I might say the wrong thing. Like, like, we get so worried about the church culture and what that might look like. And I know how the way that people can shut down and have those situations. I like how Henry Nowen says, when we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. Someone who has chosen to be there with us. And not about you, so often in the church, we feel like we get in this place that we've always got to argue. We've always got to defend. We always got to critique. We criticize, criticize. So we'll, we'll come to that. But we've, we've always, it, we've got this idea of what it sometimes needs to be look, what it sometimes needs to look like. And what if sometimes it's just being a friend? What if it's sometimes just being the one willing to pick up a mat with a friend on it? This never became even more evident than when my friend reached out to me in the midst of all these relationships I was building and creating with people outside the church. And then one day my friend reached out. He didn't know where to go. And he reached out about his, his situation of suicide and attempting suicide. And, and he had so many things going wrong in his life, 
uh, with his disability, with his mental state, with his marriage, his kids, and he was just going through hell. And here I was, and I was the one he reached out to. He didn't reach out to the one that was just going to drink with them and party with them and smoke with them and do these different things. Like all of a sudden, I found myself in this position of being reached out to. Uh, and, and, and in this position of like, like, what would be this thing that would cause this? But you know what? I realized that some people, some of the world, they're not interested in the heaven that we're trying to share until we walk through the hell that they're experiencing with them. That we're so often saying, hey, but we've got this heaven. And they're saying, but I'm in this hell. And sometimes it's picking up a mat. It's picking up someone else and walking with them. It's the power of friendship. And walking through with a lack of criticism, with a lack of judgment, with a lack of shame or condemnation upon his life and and what he's experiencing and the life he's been living and and the different things to be able to walk through this this journey with a friend, to be able to walk through uh, the journey of like, picking him up and bringing him to church because he, he couldn't drive and he wasn't going to be able to get there. And, 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 and all of a sudden this guy, he's like, he's volunteering. He's like, he's not even saved yet. He's still like questioning all this and just kind of hanging around. And yet then he starts volunteering in the church. I, t- I tell you what, I love a guy who sets up chairs who, who, who doesn't even know Jesus yet. I've had plenty of those throughout all my I used to, for years, I used to set up chairs. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of work back in our San Angelo campus, uh, hundreds of chairs every weekend. And, um, and man, be able to, to have that and be able to walk through that to the point of, of giving his life to Jesus and then getting water baptized and, and, and for me to be able to then baptize him as a follower of Jesus. That wouldn't have come out of a place of criticism, a place of my opinions, a place of, my harshness, and I've been in those places too. I've written off those places, places too, those people too. I remember, I remember with atheists when I'd be like, oh, make my comment and be like, I owned you kind of thing. Like not say that because that's just dumb and dorky, but, but, be like, but you know, how many times like we don't have to say the thing that represents the attitude we walk in, right? Like I owned you with that comment, like with my theology and my, my philosophy and my ideas and, and own the guy to make myself a barrier, to make myself a weight, to instead of picking up the mats, digging a hole, bringing someone in to say, no, 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 you stay out. I'm gonna make sure that we're gonna put division between us. I'm gonna make sure that we're gonna have separation. But the power of a friend, and we see this power of friendship here in verse five of Mark chapter two. I love this, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Do hold on Jesus, do what? Seeing whose faith? I'm sure it's a typo, right? Like seeing the faith of the man who's on the mat. No, 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 seeing their faith. The faith of friends. The faith of the ones who brought him. I love this idea of faith without works and we can, we can struggle with this and theorize about this. And I like in James 2.14, it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? 
can that kind of faith save anybody? No, no. Give me the kind of faith that picks up a mat with somebody on it and brings it to Jesus. Give me the kind of faith that says, you know what? I can't get to Jesus. I'm going to dig a hole through, through the barriers, through the walls, through the things that are in the way between us and Jesus, between this person and Jesus. Let me get my opinions and dig them out of this way and get myself out of this way and get them to Jesus because I'm not him and I don't want to be a barrier ever to Jesus. I want to get through the doorways, not outside the doorways. I want to get to Jesus. Seeing their faith. What if it was you in this position that it was your faith that spoke for the person that you were bringing? You're like, I, don't even, I just invited them to church. I just gave them a You Matter card. And then all of a sudden they end up in this situation. Or maybe there's an opportunity where you're sharing the gospel and it's seeing your faith seeing the faith that you carry for the people around you. This is the church, is it not? That sometimes we come into this position and, and sometimes we need friends who can believe for us when we can't believe for ourselves. That's part of having a prayer team up here every Sunday. Sometimes that's someone to, to, to partner with you, to believe with you. I, I like to say that we don't wanna pray for you, we wanna pray with you. But let's be real, sometimes... Sometimes in my struggle, can I just take the for me? So, sometimes in the struggle, I'm, I'm just the man on the mat. I, I'm just in this desperate place. And so we stand with you. We stand for you. And maybe you are the person on the mats and you don't know what else to do. That's okay, we do. We know the way to Jesus. We know the way to miracles. We know the way to breakthroughs. We know the way to relationship. We know the way to freedom. We know the way to love. Love. May we focus on love. The very thing that the scripture says that we will be known by. Greater love for a friend. To put ourselves aside to say, we'll carry you. We'll be with you. It doesn't matter whether you got it right. It doesn't matter whether you got all the theology there. It doesn't matter that you're struggling. It doesn't matter that you're crippled, whether it's a physical disability or one of the mind, like we talked about, one of the emotions, one of relationships. We're, we're so relationally disabled today, and, and I'm not trying to get on some soapbox regarding technology, but it certainly doesn't help us where we think that we can build these relationships and we get on these platforms that, frankly, at least in my own experience, and then so I'll speak for myself, and if you, if you identify with me, that like talking about owning the atheist online, making my arguments on Facebook and, and Twitter and, and Instagram and, and, and being a place of division rather than a place of unity, being a place of, of hate instead of a place of love. Oh, but I'm, I'm doing this thing. And in Mark chapter two, back in the story in verse six and seven, it says, but some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there taught, thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. By the way, I cannot help but hear that in a dwarf's voice from the Hobbit. And, and um, so I, if that's you and I just ruined that for you for the rest of the day, you're gonna go home, you're gonna read that, you're gonna hear it in his voice. I'm not going to try to do it. I thought about it. I was like, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't need to go there for the sake of my wife. 
If my daughters were here, I'd probably do it just to embarrass them and try to do it. I bet you Pastor Michael can do a real good job, by the way. I'm going to throw him under the bus. And, uh, and, and you get with Pastor Michael. He's always quoting movies. We're in staff meeting, trying to accomplish stuff and plan things. Oh, and Pastor Michael's got his jokes. He's got his Lord of the Rings Hobbit jokes. I love it. <laughs> I'm actually reading the Lord of the Rings, read by Andy Serkis. Who, who did the voice of Smeagol and Gollum, and I know I'm like off topic and nerdy right now, but I love it. I'm, I'm like enjoying it. I've never actually read the books, just watched the movies over and over and over and over. And, uh, and so now I'm actually, I'm in the middle of Fellowship of the Ring. So anyway, if you want to join me in my nerdiness, if it's even nerdy, I don't think it's nerdy, but if you call me nerdy, that's fine. I'll own it. But if you want to join me in that, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. How many times... Have I found myself in a position of critique, in a position of criticism, complaining, especially in situations I can't control? Now, maybe, maybe there's a little jealousy. I mean, maybe they were waiting in line to get their miracle, to get their breakthrough, and all of a sudden the guy comes through the ceiling and just cuts in line. And like, and now he, wait, 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 whoa, hold on a second. And I wonder if, like, did the other guys come down or are they, like, up there, like, just peeking through the hole and kind of being spectators, looking like ninjas up there? Like, I, like, I don't even know the whole scenario. Um, and, and, and that means a miracle alone that the guy got lowered through a ceiling and all of that kind of stuff. Um, feel like I might have been that time when I was rock climbing with my mom and she was doing the ballet. And, yeah, she didn't break well and I kind of hit the mat a little hard. Like, I don't know. And, uh, and, and like, what is this situation? How often do we find ourselves in this uh, we're at my sister's wedding yesterday, which happened to be an outside wedding. And of course, she planned this wedding a long time ago, and the wedding's in May. So the weather in West Texas is not supposed to be that bad. And then all of a sudden, we realize a heat wave is coming through, and the high's gonna be 104. And then the next day, the high's gonna be 105, 106. What did the high end up being? 107 degrees yesterday in West Texas for my sister's wedding outdoors. At 5.30, it ain't, like, we're not talking 8 a.m., 10 a.m., we're not talking about a brunch wedding, we're talking about an evening wedding, waiting till like the peak of heat to be able to have this moment, and I found myself complaining. And I've been working on this in my own life, and I realized, I'm like, you know what? Like, why do I complain about the stuff that I, well, can't control? That's part of my complaining is the thing that I can't control. And I found myself in this position, but I'm like, why am I even complaining about this thing that I can't even change? And not even, like, I'm not even going to do anything about it. And honestly, if it's my wedding, I wouldn't care about anybody attending either. I'd be like, this is what it is. And just suck it up. And if you don't like it, don't come. Just leave your gift on the table, but don't come. <laughs> We're young adults and, and Miss Jack did a thing and she was like, and, and she had this little icon and it wasn't perfect. And and, and again, I'm, I'm still processing this and, and my complaining and being uh, and critiquing. And she was talking about something not being perfect. And she's like, I'm sorry if this, if this affects anybody's like OCD or something like that. I'm like, you know what? I was like, I realize, Pastor Jack, that if I'm not going to, like, if I'm the one to complain about it, then I'm also the one to admit that I must want to do the work. And I don't want to do the work. So I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm just going to back off and I'm just going to let what is be is. I'm just going to let what happens happens. And I'm going to back off. I felt like the people here. How many times is the crowd represented in these stories, in these miracles, that they're offended, that they're, they're taken back, they're, they're, they're wronged, right? Somehow this must be, this must be something that's being taken away from them to be able to give in to, to the man on the mat, the man who's lame. 
but there's not. There's no sacrifice of theirs and they find themselves in this place of complaining, this place of being takers instead of helpers, of subtracting instead of adding. This, this struggle that we face. For the sake of time, I'm going to keep moving, but may we be consistent in bringing people to Jesus more than our attitudes to Jesus. In this church, in the life church, I mean, may we live up to our name. And may we be in a place that says, you know what, I want to be more consistent in bringing people to Jesus rather than my complaining to Jesus. Rather than my, 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 my perspective of problems. To say, Jesus, like, like I may not even understand, I may not have all the answers. But what does that look like? But I also realize that when we're too busy or when we are busy carrying people on mats, then we're probably too busy to complain. I realize that in the midst of the situation, you got four guys carrying someone on a mat, and I, and I doubt these four guys are included in these thoughts that Jesus understood. But it's the crowds. And let's also take a moment to recognize that not everybody in the crowd was there for the positive reason of seeing Jesus. I'm not speaking to this group, this church right here, but in the sense of just there, there may be a crowd in your life. You may have the followers on social media. You may have the friends, but just because you got a lot of people that are with you doesn't mean you got a lot of people that are for you. And I think sometimes we need to make sure that we've also got the friends in our life that are going to be the ones that when we hit the struggles and the hard times, that they're going to pick us up on our mats and bring us to Jesus and not their opinions and not their criticisms and not their things that aren't going to help us or heal us. So not only do we to be the friends, we are to have those friends. Are we in the church being the kind of friend that we might need someday? Are we being that kind of friend? I see how here, I see here how valuable it is because again, it was by their faith. It's Jesus seeing their faith. And in Mark chapter two, verse eight, Jesus knew immediately that what they were thinking and he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? I love this. It's, it's your hearts. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up and pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And so much you could say about this when he's saying what's easier, well, clearly Jesus is choosing the more difficult way. I'm gonna show you and make you believe that I'm the, the, the son of man, that I'm God in the flesh by forgiving sins in this moment, then I'm gonna do the miracle that's gonna confirm the thing that I said. Now, what if he had done the miracle and the miracle didn't come true and he didn't walk and he said, oh, you're, you're healed, get up, take up your mat, and he didn't do it. Oh, well, then maybe we missed it. Maybe, maybe, maybe then I can just back off. I can find an excuse. I can rationalize this away. But no, Jesus puts himself in a more difficult place to say, I'm going to forgive your sins as the son of God, as the son of man. And then I'm going to produce the miracle. Jesus does the difficult thing. That Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mats and go home. In verse 12, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned 
onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. What if the greatest miracle of your life is not even your miracle? What if the greatest miracle of your life is the miracle of a neighbor, of a loved one, or even a perfect stranger? What if the greatest miracle of your life is the person that you invited to church? Maybe it was once, maybe it was three times. Maybe it was the friendship that you created with somebody at work or through extracurricular activities and doing other things. Did I ever even share the gospel? Did you love them? Did you accept them? Did you care for them even when you didn't have to, when it cost you and and there was no expectation of getting anything in return and you just shared the love of God, you shared the gospel? Like, but I don't even know if I said the right thing or did the right thing. Did, Did you love them? I like how Bob Goff says, selfless love is always costly. Fear can't afford it. Pride doesn't understand it. And friends never forget it. Friends, never forget it. Are we being friends? And I don't mean friends in the sense that you're going to partner with them. Proverbs tells us to walk with the wise and we'll become wise. So I'm not telling you to go walk with, uh, with a bunch of fools and, and, like, and you, make them your confidant and be friends in the way of like you're going the same direction when you're not. There's some wisdom here. Don't, don't overreach on what I'm saying here. But being friends in the sense of just reaching out and caring and loving for people. Being willing to, to not just pick up the mat, but also position yourself through how you treat people to be able to be available that when the disabled comes to you, when the spiritually disabled, the emotionally disabled, the mentally disabled, when the person who is struggling comes to you, that you're there with, them, with helping hands to pick up a mat. And that you know the way to Jesus. You're inviting people to church that you're, Say, because you, because you know what can take place in this space where we made this church be full of holes in our walls and our ceilings and our ideas and our things and ideas that get in the way of people experiencing Jesus Christ and his salvation and his miracles and his healing. May we not put up barriers that would keep people out instead of drawing people in. And if I'm ever accused of loving too much, I will, I will embrace with pride we got an email recently from another church in the neighborhood that was not a friendly email. It was not a, another church being like, hey, let's be friends. No, no, no. It was that, that criticism of who the life church is apparently. Criticisms of, of who we are, of who they thought we were. And I'm like, if that criticism says you're loving too much, you're caring too much, Why would you accept those people? Why would you accept people who think that way or believe that way or act that way? Because Jesus did. Jesus says even before the miracle, your sins are forgiven. And I will embrace any criticism that says you're being too much like Jesus. 
You're being too loving like Jesus, too accepting like Jesus. As, as a pastor of this church, may I never become a burden around any of your necks. May I never become a wall to anybody outside these walls. May there be holes in our ceilings of people who want to come to Jesus and know that this is a place to find Jesus. And so I challenge you and I encourage you today, be a friend. Be a friend. Jesus, in the very next section, he's calling Matthew, uh, being a tax collector, uh, and, and, and to, to be a disciple and eating at his house. And Jesus, in the next section, if you read it later, he says, in the next section, why are you friends of sinners? May we carry that label with pride, with joy. And not pride in ourselves and our own actions, but pride in who Jesus is, my Savior, my Redeemer, my forgiver. May we carry that. But maybe you're here today and you've been struggling. Maybe, maybe today is a time to realize that you, you've been struggling being that friend. Maybe you're like me and you were, that, you were the angry Christian for too long. Or maybe you're still dealing with anger. And so the Christianity you represent out in the public, out in the world is this, is this, this self-righteousness or, or an anger or a volatility that you can't quite control and overcome. And you find yourself constantly reacting to situations in our culture and community. But I gotta fight, I gotta go, I gotta pick up my sword and I gotta, I gotta. My daughter was, was riled up about a, a cultural issue and, 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 and I'm like, but let's find peace in the midst of this. Can, can we talk about this from a different position? A place of love, a place of caring. How do we, how do we present ourselves? And maybe in the midst of that, you thought you were doing well and maybe you realized today that, yeah, you're the one on the mat. You're the one needing healing. You're the one. I remember when I went on an event, I've talked about probably enough times that when my heart got changed, I was a teacher. And I literally, after this event, this, this retreat that I went on for four days, four days, this is even the earlier days of cell phones, but still had no cell phone, no communication, nothing with the outside world. And four days went and got away to just seek Jesus in my life and who he is to me. And I came out of this event so transformed that it was evident. I still had a ways to go. I still might've liked my argument with the atheist online, but the way I started interacting with kids, teenagers, the way I started carrying myself, it was evident that there was a change. Maybe, maybe you're in a place of realizing today that you're still on the mat, that you're still needing healing, you're still needing a miracle in your life because your walk has been with a limp. Your walk has been with a crutch. And maybe we are like the lame man, more than we realize, in need of healing. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the son of man, Jesus, who would represent both aspects of this world that we live in, 
a physical son, but then also your son. And that Jesus would care so much to live this life, to come in these spaces and not just transform the man, transform the home, but to transform the crowd that started with the faith of four, possibly five men, a faith of friends, a faith of community, a faith of relationship, a faith of love to say, I'm gonna give of myself to get to Jesus. We desire today to get to Jesus. We desire to see the face of Jesus. To move beyond our own walls, our own hangups, our own issues, our own barriers, closed doors. We think that we see in this, this picture of Jesus that even a door that seems to be closed was made available through a whole other route that didn't make sense. May you find ways beyond closed doors today in our lives. Beyond closed doors of relationships, of jobs, of breakthroughs, of finances, of our own miracles that we're in need of. If you're with me here today, maybe you find yourself in one of these positions of this story here in Mark chapter two. I wanna just lead us all in a prayer to pray together and our prayer team is gonna be available as well. So even beyond this prayer, whether you, you, you really enter into this and give your life to Jesus or, or maybe you wanna come and pray with somebody and you're like I, I, like, I don't even know how to pray in this sense of receiving Jesus or receiving a miracle. Our prayer team is going to be available here at the end of service. But right now, if we'll all just pray this together, we are, we are the faith of friends here today together in this house, in this home. And we all pray together, just repeat after me and say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ, my Savior, for forgiveness of sins, for making me new, renewing my mind, and the way to think. Help me with my complaining and my negative attitude, to walk in love, to be love. Help me to be a friend to those that are different than me, to those who might even be my enemies. We thank you for what you're doing today, God. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Let's stand right now. We're gonna worship God one last moment. Amen, let's worship.